Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Canon Side Chats after a brief break. But all three of the boys are back today to talk about a few Arsenal games that we may have missed over the past few weeks. A one nothing loss at Ever- or to Everton, draw Brentford, lost to Man City, a tantalizing win against Aston Villa, and I want to say an easy win against Leicester, but that might do it some injustice. So I'm joined by Bex and Sam today. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I think easy maybe is the best word, but I, definitely no stress whatsoever in that game. So I agree with your attitude towards it. Sam, how are you? Oh, yeah, definitely feeling good. It's good to be back. And um, yep, and super happy to still be at the top of the table. So can't complain. Right. Speaking of the top, off the top, we're going to have our first little trivia question today. And it is based on the first game we're going to talk about and coincidentally, the next game coming up against Everton. So are you boys ready? You got your thinking caps on. Beckett does. I can see. I do. I do. Uh-huh. All right. Historically, which Arsenal player has scored the most goals against Everton in the Premier League? We have one player on eight goals and two players tied on six. If you can name any of the three, I'll say well done. Are there any hints for this? Like, is there a is this player from a certain era or no hints? Would the we'll era get away? It's, it's, it's really three different eras. For, okay. There might be a little bit of overlap. I can't recall. It's... It's a while back, but I don't know why, but I want to think that Theo's on there. Um, but I don't give know. Give me three. Give me three players, and then we can say if you're. I would it. say Henri Theo, uh, deeper era. Um, Alan Smith. Any particular Maybe. order with those? Henri first. Smith and Theo six. All right. Noted. Sam. Are you not going to tell me if any of those are right? No, <laughs> no it's too gonna, easy for no. you. I'm going to have to agree on re trying to think of my, who my current would be. Doesn't have to be current. Well, okay. yeah. Well, like more recent Alexis, maybe. I, would, I just then, don't know if he played enough games against Everton. Yeah. And then I don't even know to go for farther back. Let's just hear him. Maybe Ian, right? Yeah, could be Perez. Well, we'll just go. We'll lock in Ian, right? Well, Beckett, you're gonna have to give him a nice little uh, high five because he just gave you number one, Ian Wright, on eight goals, tied at second, two players, Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah. Oh, and I wanted to go him instead, Henri. This one, the the other one's a midfielder. Any guesses? More recent than them. Uh, Cazorla, Ramsey, Aaron Ramsey. Uh, I should have guessed it, dude. The Rambo, you know, back there. Yep, the Rambo. I figured if I gave you a midfielder, hint, it'd it'd go right to Rambo. I thought the only one who scored recently from the midfield. I thought of the more recent players, Theo might have played the most against them. But I mean, not a bad shout because Everton bought Theo from us, so maybe you know they're like he goes off on us. Yeah, nope. Ian Wright on eight, Dennis Bergkamp and Aaron Ramsey on six goals. I totally let Beckett sway me on freaking Henri. Because when he said that, I was like, I'm just going to go Bergkamp for contrast. You should you should have done Bergkamp because for me, from that group, it was one of those two. Yeah. For sure, uh, obviously. But um, I'm surprised Ian Wright didn't get a shout. 
I'm surprised. Really. He plays way too long up for Arsenal, and he yeah, scored way yeah. too many goals. He had to have too many goals against, or too many games against Everton to not get. He was eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I should not have gone Alan Smith. I just pulled that out of my ass. You know why? Because Alan Smith was on the replay of the um, Leicester game that I watched earlier today. That's that's why recency bias. But we'll take it. It's close. Right, well, we could have used Ian Wright when we played Everton in this first matchup this week or this year. One nil loss. Beckett, question for you, coming off of what you had previously said to me in the last podcast. Did you expect anything other than this result? I did. Hundred <laughs> percent. And I told you that in the in the last episode. Yeah. I know you I mean, lost all respect for me when I told you that Everton is gonna play for a corner kick and score a corner kick. And no, I lose respect for you. That's what Sean Dyche does, and it was his first game in charge. So I'm not surprised at all that was their game plan. I'm surprised at how effective their game plan was with how many training sessions he's had. They doubled up on the wings really well and we just couldn't do anything in the middle. And I think I don't, I mean, again, we're reaching back, but Eddie didn't have a very good game, kind of got bullied by those center backs, and that's what those center backs are for. Connor Cody and uh, Tarkovsky, yeah. I mean, you, maybe it was written that Tarkovsky was going to get his first goal under Dice. I don't know. But I, I, I don't think we played well either. So I do think this coming week they are – I think it could be – I'm hoping it's more in line with what I expected the first time, especially with our away record. Right, and it didn't help that they get that new manager bounce. As you said, it's his first game at Everton. At Everton, the fans had been dying for a change for Lord knows how long. They want to change in ownership still. Um, yeah, and and that's going to be – that was always going to be a tough game. Tough that, game. Yeah, yeah, so this one's, was, this one's at home. My bad. Sorry. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even just a bad result. It was literally probably one of the most boring games I think I've ever watched, especially considering how we've been playing this season. So I really hope we do uh, turn out with a result like what Beckett was expecting and um, probably a lot of people were expecting and we just trounced them um, at home. Right. As you say, boring. We dominated possession. I think it was like 71 to 29 or something like that. However, Everton created 1.7 xg to as opposed to our 0.9 uh so yeah extremely boring but dice ball man what are you gonna do he's back he's back he's ready to go and they've actually everton's been all right under sean dice so far they've gotten a few results um so yeah becky do you have something they beat us in leads <laughs> they're right yeah. they're 2010 they've lost Three games, all of them two nothing, and they've won two games, all one nothing in their last five. So they're, I don't know, it's a weird record, but they're getting one and they're not scoring at all. I, yeah, we dominated it, but again, we just were off a little bit. Passing wasn't quick enough. I just think they don't have dominant Calvert Leuven's out too um, coming up. So could be a completely different uh, contest, or at least between the center backs and him. Sam, do you have something? No, I was just going to say the same thing, too, that I saw that Dom- Dominic Calvert-Lewin was out. But uh, Beckett touched on that. And, yeah, I just hope we just destroy them for 
gives a little revenge from the last time. Right. At this stage in the season, can't afford to drop points. As always, points are important from the first game to the 38th game. But with City putting an absolute beating on on Bournemouth this past weekend, it's uh, it's it's vital that that we keep maintaining that pressure. Um, so again, lost points to Everton. Then we bring Brentford home, and uh, sad to say, we drop points again. Sam, I'll ask you this. Controversy aside, were Arsenal lucky to get a point from this game? Brentford could have been up 2-3-0 three, three in the first half. Rico Henry had a goal line clearance that he probably could have easily tapped in. Goal line clearance for us. And Buemo had a chance, got in on the break. Of course, there's that controversy with the offsides. But were we lucky to get a point? Yeah, I think we were a little fortunate to get a point, honestly. And after the Everton game, um, just with how the season's been going, I really thought that we were going to bounce back and, you know, maybe pull out another 1-0 dub, maybe a 2-0 dub. But, uh, yeah, uh, Brentford looked good and actually kind of controlled us around the park for quite a bit of that game. So I think we are lucky to take a point away. Right, and Ivan Tony proved really difficult to deal with as well. Obviously, he gets the goal, but just such a presence up top. Beckett, do you have anything on on Ivan Tony. Yeah. Yeah, he's a handful and he's been that way. He was that way last season and he's been even better at it this season. Who knows when he's going to get suspended, but that'll be a huge loss for them. And Brentford's done this to a lot of teams this season. Um they've taken points off all almost all the big 6, maybe one they haven't and they they played their style. We had a lot of possession. They got it up, bullied us with Tony as you said, but they're I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about lucky because I've I've watched enough Brentford too that to know that like Mbomo's not clinical enough where I'm expecting him to put away that chance. Maybe Rico, but I do think that the goal that they scored is a big driver in maybe how the game ends up. So controversial again goes against us. I I don't know what to say about the PGMOL because that just Everybody's already said it. That just can't happen. And with all the other mistakes they made that weekend, you just can't. How do you not even look at something for offsides? I don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but we'll point either way. Too much, but yeah, it, that's just really disheartening. And like as Michaela said, I'm I'm not going to forgive them until we get two points back. Yeah, we'll get on to the rest. I'm sure as we get closer to uh, the end of this podcast as well. And to your point as well, Brentford would be a real force to contend with if Tony had a little bit of an upgrade with his strike partner. And Buemo is nice, but he's all wheels, no deals. You know what I mean? He uh, he lacks that, that clinical edge like you were speaking of. If they had – you mentioned Alexis earlier. I'm just thinking of someone like Alexis, someone like that, to run off yeah. those flicks and get in. Oh, Brentford could be, could be a real problem. I mean, he's, he's like 23, so he's still at an age that he can – develop but i i honestly think they might take the money from him when if they can maybe sell him to another league at some point they just bought in another striker from the um shade shade whatever his name is lightning quick supposed to be one of the fastest players in the league so if they get that dude running off ivan tony oh my gosh that could be a problem but yeah they're having a great season and our uh preview pod for the season with Brady he picked them to go top 10 and they're definitely trending to finish up there possibly in a European spot so 
they they've been good, and I, I've liked what they've done all season. Unfortunately, it happens against us too. But right, shout out all of our Brentford listeners. We appreciate you. Thank you. That segment is for you. And they took three points off City, so that was yeah. nice earlier in the year. Speaking of City, our next trip on our point dropping blip. So actually, City came to Arsenal. So Beckett, I know we don't want to talk about this too much, but did you think we had bottled our title race after this game? No, I. The I think that the, I don't. I didn't want to focus on it too much because I actually think we played really well for a large part of that game. I think at by the time Jack scored the one to go ahead, it kind of turns pretty south, and then they get. Holland's goal but I think up to that point we had played really well we had really put the pressure on them and I mean you're not doing you're not, you don't even have Thomas party and if you look at it from that perspective of how well we played with um Jorginho playing his first game really in our at the base of our midfield holding the team together I thought it was actually a pretty good performance from us um again you look at the subs that they can bring on versus what we're missing and who we can sub on. There's the gap in quality. They can score two more goals after the 75th minute. And we are still kind of lacking essential depth to compete with that all the time. But I, we held our own and I didn't want to dwell on it because I didn't want that to taint my hopes towards the title. Right. As you say, it was kind of a story of two halves. We are all, absolutely all over city in the first half, but as you say, their depth, we kind of kind of wore on us, and we just we couldn't see it through. Obviously, we dominated the first half, aside from one egregious error from Tomiyasu to to essentially give De Bruyne that first goal. Sam, yeah. how hard is it to bounce back after giving away a goal like that? Oh, it's just demoralizing. And I thought we did actually bounce back really well. I kind of or I really agree with Beckett in that um, the scoreline does not really reflect how that game. Uh, how that game was really played and yeah, just having that brutal air at any point in the game can kill you, but especially when it's that early. Right. And as you guys say, really even game, the scoreline doesn't do it justice, but I think we are right there on XG really similar. It just boils down to city being a bit more clinical in that final third with, with the chances that we gave them. Um, but let's move on to brighter pastures. we go to Aston Villa and before we get to those brighter brighter pastures, we had a an abysmal first half in that. That being said, Sam, was this the most Unai Emery game you have ever seen in your entire life? Oh yeah, absolutely classic. I mean, they they just <laughs> I don't they they get they get two leads on us, and you still just sit there and take it. I, it absolutely is. I mean, it immediately makes you think of us playing Watford, just taking 25 shots. Immediately after scoring, they just dropped. Their entire team dropped. They were at least 15 yards deeper after they scored both goals than they were before it. So, yeah, it absolutely was. They they were able to hold. I mean, they were able to actually do what you know Emery's teams have somewhat done and make it make us take 20 shots to get nothing for the most part uh until the 90th minute i mean we got two but we wouldn't have gotten the result which is what he was playing for had we not had a fortuitous bounce right he played right. it played straight into his style exactly what you said what a game though doesn't start off too hot 
I know we've been really high on Zinchenko and his his composure and his his ability, but just a bit too lax on that first goal gives away a pass, and next thing you know, Ali Watkins is is bearing down on on Ramsdale, and really really kind of similar for the second. We don't get out. We allow Villa to just completely walk the ball up the left side of the field, and next thing you know, Coutinho's got the ball at the penalty spot with with no one around. So it was a little disheartening that that it was so easy that we allowed such easy goals, but boy, what what resilience to come back, especially considering we had dropped points three straight games. Um, what what resilience and man was this game filled with some goals, huh? Yeah, but I I, th- I think to your point um, with us basically giving away goals and making it super easy for our opponent to do things. That's the that that was the same theme with that city game too. Is it, without just mind lapses and us just doing basic things we we're we can hold clean sheets (laughs) we we just did it against Leicester if we can not shoot ourselves in the foot we're gonna win most of our games right now um because our play style we control so much so yeah when we when you make it that easy you let other teams just kind of dictate how what we need to do and it puts you in a little bit of a panic but yeah the answer back that's a common theme we've had this season too and um, it's just been real cool, really nice to see the way we just respond to difficult situations. Right. And you say you use the word control there. I think obviously that's a huge, huge Mikel Arteta ideal. Um, and it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword where when you're so good at controlling the ball and doing that, then your teammates might get higher up the field, might expose themselves. So those little tiny misplaced passes and, Misweighted passes uh, can really, really catch out, and as, as obviously we saw that against Villa, and a, a player like Ali Watkins who can who can really run, really get in behind, just caught us out. But again, let's talk about our our comeback. What goals did we have? Saka with the volley, which is incredible. Zinchenko with his first uh-huh. Premier League goal, yeah, was that very was nice. And that was a common thing too. That little pass out from the from the corner kick, which we haven't really won many many aerial battles on corner kicks recently. So I'm all about pinging it up there and just having to go. And it paid off with Zinchenko. Yeah. I was another thing um, before the half. I was super uh, impressed with Bukayo Saka holding his own out there and not taking any crap, uh, getting in some people's faces after about like the eighth challenge on him. So um, yeah, I thought that was really good for to see him out there sticking up for himself. Yeah, Coutinho hacked him down, and then he was upset that Saka reacted like that. What do you want, man? You're kicking me in the Achilles multiple right. times. <laughs> yeah, straight through the back, then nowhere near the ball. Yeah, I get it. Part of me, and I, I, I like that Saka wants to stand up for himself and, and should stand up for himself in a situation like that. Yeah, it's, it's good to see, even though he gets carded, which might be a silly card, but I mean, what what do you what do refs expect him to do just after getting hit, you know, seven, eight times in a game? Yeah, I mean, you can only wear so many before it actually just gets so under your skin. Right. Right. Well, speaking of under the skin, Jorginho put one right underneath the crossbar, right off Amy Martinez's head. And what did you say, the ninety fourth minute, something like that? How uh how nuts did you guys go at eight thirty in the morning? I was a little – well, I mean, I didn't actually get to see it live. Um, I was out in California, so it was 
five thirty in the morning or whatever, almost six at that point, I guess. But I had uh, been out on the town a little out of control, so I didn't have a mind at that that time. But you go ahead, Sam. I uh, well, at first, my first thought, all I saw was it go in the back of the net, and I had no idea. I thought it just went far down and in. Uh, because I was already kind of celebrating as the shot was going off. But then whenever I saw it hit Hoss Emmy Martinez's head, it just made it all the better. And I wish we could sign a petition to just give Jorginho that goal, though, just because <laughs> this is a legendary moment. I think it's going to have to be akin to what we did with Lacazette's goal against Wolves last season to get us to dub when it hit off Jose Saw's hand and went in. He might have zero goals, but on this podcast, we're just going to consider he has one. Right, so just add one to whatever's yeah, total. That was a banger. Oh, absolute banger! And talk about something that could really drive us on for the rest of the season. I mean, I'm still living off that energy. Uh, and obviously, what do you guys make out of Unai Emery after in the post game having to go at Martinez for going up for the corner when they're down three two in the in the last moments of the game? Did, did he not even look at his coach to ask if that was all right or what? It seems like a communication error. What else is he going to do? The whistle is going to get blown. The only reason the whistle, the only the only reason the whistle doesn't get blown is because we have an opportunity to score with no goalie in the net. Do you blame Emmy Martinez for going up? No, well, he's yeah, probably what he, I don't get he's that. Like six four. He's got to have the a better hops than half the team. How tall is he? Let's see what this says. Who who really cares if you go down four two as opposed to three two? Like what's that? What's the difference is that at all? No, I would want my goalie too. Yeah, I mean, even if he's, I even if he was six foot, I don't know. He's got to be somewhere maybe six two, but he's taller than at least half the team at that height. The only argument I have heard against it is that some set piece coaches and stuff don't want that because you never plan for your goalie to be up there. So he kind of just gets in the way and, and ruins things. But that might yeah. be the, that might be the case, but you're also for your set piece to work. There has to be a perfect delivery every time. Right, yeah. One extra guy who's big and whose main job in his entire position is to jump. I, I, I am always in support of a go, goalie going up in the 90 plus minute. Well, he just time. banged one with his head home too. So like he's, he's obviously warm. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. He has scored the most recent header. Yeah. On, on, on field, man, just a few seconds ago. So, I mean, I don't know why you would be against that though, for a point, a, p- a potential point. I mean, it's not going to lose you any points going up there you might lose by one more goal but who cares well maybe maybe that's Unai's position because he knows how easy it is for a team to take a shot against his <laughs> he just <laughs> he shot without a goal he's going in so <laughs> when you're giving up 20 shots a game I guess I guess maybe your perspective changes a little bit right well we'll take it either way I know I was yelling go 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 when Vieira got on that ball at the end I knew Emmy was up there and seeing Martinelli celebrate before he puts it in and walk it in and the scenes going on at full time, just, yeah, I, I, I love it. I'm all for that. Um, and thankfully, we took that momentum into the Leicester game. 1-0 win. Beckett, how did you feel about the lineup change going into the game? I know we texted about it. Yeah, I, um, I liked it. Uh, Eddie's played every minute un- until this 
game, so I, I kind of liked it. And you know that Lester wasn't going to be probably playing a high line, so it makes sense to have a guy who can drop in and just shift the defense around a little bit. Yeah, I definitely agree. And like you said, Eddie's been getting a lot of minutes, and I don't think he's scored in, since we played maybe Man United, um, which I think was like in mid-January. Um, and I think they're – Eddie and Trossard are similar in that they both are always trying to like snip out, sniff out an opportunity to get a goal. But I think Trossard offers us a lot more in terms of like one touch football and connecting the play than Eddie does at the moment. He definitely brings in like Martinelli better. He's more of a Gabriel Jesus replacement or type of player than Eddie is. That's for sure. Well, before we get to the goal, Let's just talk about the opening goal that I celebrated hard and then got called back. What did you guys make of that? Did you have any idea what they were looking at when when they started varring it? What did you guys think? No, I, I had I had no idea. Well, even the commentators were like, well, this is surely going to stand. And then then they, you finally see him holding his hand a little bit. But. but I have a question. Does that happen every game, almost every single corner kick? Well, the defender's arm is in there too. It's not like... It's only Ben White. I I mean, he obviously can't hold someone's arm, but when does the next phase start? Because that doesn't really impact the actual finish. And he still gets a hand to the ball. And what's he going to do? Catch that ball? Is he going to yeah, catch that ball? Uh, it's Ward. He's not catching anything. Right. I don't understand how it's like, the, he could have so easily got his hand out of Ben White's grass if he wanted to. But he just lets Ben White hold it and goes for the one-handed punch. It's like that's ridiculous. I'm I'm pretty sure we had a game earlier this season where our goalie was impeded and there yes. was they didn't even consider looking at it. They just that like is no. My next point, Arsblog, I listen Arsblog, and they pointed out the fact that uh, the goal that Douglas we scored straight from the corner against us. That was it. Kamara has both arms wrapped around behind him behind Ramsdale and Ramsdale can't do anything. And so what, where is the, the consistency there? Also really similar to Brentford's goal. I guess it was when they came up when we played them that first year, but Pontus Jansen did the exact same shit, just held yeah. Ramsdale in place and he couldn't go and, and grab the yeah. ball. So again, like I understand what that you can't hold on to the goalie's arm like that, but, the fact that it happens almost every single time a corner is taken and they want to go back and, and look at it, it just seems a little bit fabricated and that VAR is just trying to rule out any goal that that comes about, uh, which is disheartening. I agree. Again, I'm okay with that being a foul if it's a foul every single time, but when Ramsdale gets held two hands and he can't get to the ball and they score directly from a corner, you know, what, what, what do you mean? Yeah. I agree. But it was an absolute piss rocket by Trossard. Oh, so yeah. So you love to see it, regardless yeah. of the eventual outcome. And he he was just heavily involved in a lot of the good attacking movements we had. Right. Right. And, Baggett, I texted you before the game, said maybe the, think, the thought behind playing Trossard at false nine is, like you said, he'll drift out like Gabriel Jesus and allow Eddie that inside channel to run, or not Eddie, Martinelli, that inside channel to run. And what do you know, right in the second half, Trossard picks up the ball on the wing, does a little dance, and then 
Martinelli's threw in on goal in the inside channel, and it's one nothing Arsenal. Great finish. How nervous were you guys when you saw Martinelli get up and go immediately back down? I was hoping it was it was just like a collision, which kind of ends up being. But yeah, I I don't know. I I did I did pucker up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I know I know people get accused of laying on the ground a lot, but when you lay on the ground after scoring a goal, it's definitely a little bit more nerve wracking than just during the course of play because he didn't even celebrate or do anything for like a minute and a half. So I was like, oh geez. But yeah, it looks like he just got cleated on. I thought it was going to be a, a Lord Bentner case where you come in and score the winner and then hurt yourself celebrating too hard. Yeah, need a sub afterwards. But no, I didn't. I didn't catch it at first, obviously. But on the replay, yeah, I think it's indeed he definitely gets a a stud right on the the inner yeah. knee or outer knee of of Martinelli. And I know Beckett again. We were texting. I don't understand. How is that not a card? I guess the ref just didn't see it. I mean, we missed it. And we have TV, and you can't really var it for a yellow, so not that I would expect them to do that anyway. Right. If I'm just saying, if, if Martinelli has to go out because of that, and he gets a stomp two steps after he let go of the ball, it's a little frustrating. A little frustrating. I agree. It's late, and I think indeed he had a few in this game that were late before anything was even made of it. So I think, I don't even know if he got a card in the game. But they definitely had a bunch of late tackles that was just like, what? why are we not even pulling the card out? We had one. They didn't have a yellow card. Martinelli got one. Martinelli got one for late tackle. Late tackle after they had about four or five of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I don't want to be too hard on Craig Paulson, but he, uh, he, he I didn't think he had an awfully great game. I know that there were – Debatably, two penalty shots for Saka. One where Christensen comes and puts his arms and hands on his back as he's driving through the through the middle of the box. Maybe gets a touch on the back of his leg as well. Um, Saka doesn't make a big deal out of it. Nothing really happened. But how about that Sutar pretty much form tackle on Saka as the cross is coming in? That has to be a penalty. I, I don't. I don't understand that at all. Like. That's a that's a six seven guy, big motherfucker center back. Even if he's falling, there's nothing like he definitely does more than just fall. But there's nothing that someone the size of Saka can do when that happens to you from behind. And that ball was floated right to that spot. So I, that's I don't know. You can't even you can't even make an argument for incidental contact because that's still a penalty. Can't just clean someone out, even if it is on accident. Right. Sam, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I could think of when I was watching the game is that they didn't think Saka was going to get to it. But I mean, like you said, it was, it was pretty close in that area and you can't just two hand into the back, anyone in the box in this day and age. Yeah. I think it's too early in the trajectory of that ball to make the determination that Saka's not getting to it too. I mean, I just, it's just, they didn't even, they didn't even question it, which was kind of, I don't know, concerning. Definitely. And like I said, I don't want to harp on, on the officials too much, but yeah, it's, it's kind of getting out of control, the lack of consistency. And I really hope that there's some really stringent, I don't want to say, maybe just a look over at the rules and, and how VAR is implemented and, and a bunch of different stuff 
as well as, I mean, it's probably too much to ask for, but some referee turnover because, like we said about the the Brentford game, and there were two mistakes that weekend. They're just there's VAR has just got to be better. There's some refs that that's their only job is is VAR, and and we still can't get a consistent implementation. So hopefully that's something they can look over at over the summer and and get a better better understanding of how they want to use it because it's just not working at this point. But I think that probably about does it for the game. What do you guys say we move on to everyone's favorite segment? Can I ha- I had a few extra thoughts as well. Um first off, as we said at the beginning, the game that was just I don't know. Leicester's definitely in a transition year and that's got to be hard for their fans, but Well, without they, James Madison too. Yeah, that's, that's that was a bit that's completely a completely different team with James Madison. Th- that is very true. But there was just no, I felt absolutely no pressure. Um, oh, I, I I figured we would get a goal. The later it got, obviously you get a little more worried. But I thought we would get a goal. And I at no point thought that they might get a goal. They had one good cross from Barnes um, to the back post. But I mean, the, the, whoever it was, it's like he didn't even see it coming. He didn't really get close to contact. I, you, I think. Yes. Yeah. And Gabriel defended well, so you can't fault no. that either. Zinchenko, no. I think. I think it was On both. The back post. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I just, they weren't really threatening. I thought Trossard's introduction into the team was good. It replicated Jesus. Martinelli was definitely involved. He was a little off on the first half. But he was way more involved than he has been recently. And then um, I just have to say, as someone who really didn't like Jorginho, he has been he's been very good for what we've needed him to do. Um, and I was as someone who didn't like them like him, I was okay with us signing him in the way that we did because I we never know what's going to happen to Thomas Party, and I thought Jorginho might be better at that role than Sambi, and he has been astronomically better at that role than Sambi. Oh, yeah. Just positionally, positionally and, like, possession-wise. He's just been way better at it, and I'm I'm, I'm actually glad that we have him. (laughs) Yeah. I was the same way, though. Q and I were talking about it, um during the game he just keeps it so simple like 99 percent of the time and then every now and again he'll make it like a really nice progressive pass but yeah someone who just keeps it simple in the midfield is something i think that's benefiting the team and taking some of the stress off the party yeah i mean that's what el nenny did for the most part he he was a six seven out of ten player kept it simple played the way he faced and Every once in a while, you'd see a moment of brilliance. I think El Nani's probably stronger defensively, but Jorginho has done a lot of what we want, or a lot of what Party does. When we're high up, he's getting in those defensive positions to make the interception. So he's just covering, and he's he's doing it well. I thought he did a good job against City, as I said. So he's 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 done better than i expected he would do and i'm glad that with party having an absence he was here to cover it probably saved our season for how many games he's had to play already um i think if party's available next game he comes back in but Jorginho has definitely done what we've needed him to do we have to say 
Jorginho is is much a much better fit to this system than than El Nini, hundred uh, yes. percent. I think he gives you a lot more options uh, in terms of who he can slide in for. Whereas, yeah. like parties are El Nini's only slotting in for party. That's that's the yeah. only position. Yeah. Whereas Jorginho could slot in for Jaka party and have a bit more fluidity. And he's yeah. much better going forward than El Nini. His well. his progressive passes yeah, ability better. is way better. Well. Yes, um, the, he had a really really nice pass to Saka to set up that first one that you talked about, where he could have could have been a pen on that one. Really nice pass there. Um, I don't know if it was this game or the game before. He had a really nice entry pass. I think it was Aston Villa. He had a like twenty five yard entry pass into the box to Saka. So his his forward thinking passes are definitely there and way better than what we've had without party. So, yeah, hundred percent. One I was against the Jorginho signing, not because of the monetary amount, not because of anything, just because I I hated Jorginho. But yeah, once he was in, and it was a a good deal financially for us and a good fit gotta get behind him and he's he's only only won me over especially with that with that goal we're giving him i mean he was good that whole game but that moment where i was like yep you're my player now you're an arsenal player let's go yeah that was that was a good hit and he's done he's done good as we've said so and what okay the last thing i wanted to mention was Sinchenko captaining the team was uh a really good gesture cool gesture by the squad and i think i read that um or Arteta said that Odegaard came to him and basically said the players thought this would be a good gesture to give it small gesture, obviously in the grand scheme, but, and I love Zinchenko. So yeah, it was just cool to see. Right. And he's a good fit for the captain too. It's not like he's out of place wearing the captain's armband. Absolutely. He's he's obviously a a big, big part of the leadership group and, and he knows how to win and he knows what it takes. So, yeah, it's, I don't think you lost a whole lot. Um, Sam and I were confused. We're like, wait a minute, Zinchenko has the armband and Odegaard's on the field. What what what's going on here? But yeah, he cleared it up for us real quick. Sam, do you have anything to add on that? Uh, no, not on that. Um, obviously a great gesture, and it was cool, cool to see him. Now he's one to know as a captain in case we ever need a a backup if Odegaard gets hurt or something. But no, going back to the Jorginho thing, I just still think it's kind of weird whenever I see him in like the Arsenal red jersey every once in a while. I still haven't gotten fully acclimated to it. I'm used to seeing him in the Chelsea blue. Well, he definitely looks better in the red than the blue, that's for sure. Yeah, that is for oh, sure. Definitely. All right, so what do you say we move on to the weekly wanker? All right, I'm going to go because I'm afraid you guys might take mine. But this week's Weekly wanker from me, poor guy. It's a lad named Kip Keller, a little St. Louis native, making his debut in the MLS as a sub because Austin FC's starting center back gets hurt five minutes into the game. Um, possibly the worst debut I've ever seen in my entire life, all because of one moment. Uh, if you guys didn't watch the game, he attempts to dribble the ball out from the back realizes it's not on, turns around, still looking forward, takes a few touches back, and then tries to play back to his goalie. 
and St. Louis City's left mid is just standing right there. And he plays it to him, who, all credit to this guy, who turns around unfazed and just buries it. Uh, but I don't think I've ever seen such such a terrible giveaway in my entire life. If you guys haven't seen it, go on YouTube, watch the highlights, look it up. It, it is bad. Poor kid. Poor, poor kid. But well deserving of the well deserving of the weekly banker for that. He looks right through our guy. Yeah, he he just I it's he didn't even see him. He looks back to his keeper, doesn't see the guy, and still plays the pass. There's yeah. nowhere to hide after that either. I mean, he plays it and realizes it, and just immediately hands to face like, oh he my did, god! Like, it was. I thought he did like a double take. He's like, oh, what did I just do? <laughs> Yeah, not a good look in your debut. Things you love to see for our club, though. Hey, yeah, Beckett. Trivia question number two. Do you know where Kip Keller went to university? Um, from oh, St. No, Louis. please don't Did be. He played at SLU? He played at SLU. <laughs> He's uh, a SLU player. How long ago was that? How old Last is that year. guy? Last year. Oh, he's young. Yeah, he's, he's drafted this year. Okay, that's well. Well, that's definitely why well, I, I guess didn't last know. year, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Slu actually did really well in the draft. I think they had like four or five kids drafted. So, oh, you hate to see that. Yeah, 22. poor guy, poor yeah. guy. Um, let's see. My weekly wanker. I don't. I didn't. I really couldn't think of a good candidate for this. But my weekly wanker this week is. Uh, Todd Bowley, Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> well, I just still, man, you put all that money into a team, you buy your coach midseason from another club for twenty million. You had to pay for him. Now your fans are actively trying to get him fired and calling for his head because your seven hundred million. Pounds, dollars, yen, whatever the fuck you want to say. <laughs> That'd be way less. But <laughs> you're all of your 757 million quadrillion peso team. Yeah. Uh, all of your spending. And you just, what has it gotten you? What, what, what has happened to your club? They've, they've won maybe, I think they've won two of 16. Um, some, something like that. It's just, I'm at a loss for words. And then um, Grant Potter goes on the record afterwards and says that ask for patience and to be given time like Arteta and the Arsenal project because look at where we're at now. And I just – not necessarily on him because he seems like a good guy, but it's just a very different, very different project in a lot of ways that – you keep hearing people allude to us giving our Ted a time. And it's like I, that dude probably had almost no input input on the players that his club just spent 700 million on. And he's being asked to manage that club and try and come up with a cohesive st- strategy when they really don't even have a striker. It's just kind of a hodgepodge team that Todd Bowley put together with all this money and had no idea what he was doing. A lot of those players could turn out to be good. And you know what? 
I still won't eat my words because it was a terrible, terrible decision to do all this all at once. You say that he mentioned Arteta and Arsenal in time, but were Arsenal ever this dreadful under Arteta? Because I, I can't remember a time we got two wins out of 14 games and we had more signings than goals scored. We probably had a we yeah that's true too. But we probably had a, that one streak of like ten games or whatever it was when we didn't win. But even then, it's the amount of money versus we were probably playing some questionable players still when that happened with him. Like if Mustafi was on the field for us during that period, which I would assume that he was probably. I can't exactly remember. No, it was probably a, it was definitely a David Luis. Um, but like the players that we had when that happened to Arteta versus the squad that Chelsea has is also very different places. Arteta took that team and won an FA Cup against Chelsea and City too. So he at least got something out of that group. Or Chelsea is just a. F- I don't know. They are truly a mid-table team with the most one of the most expensive clubs in the world. Well, they got battered by Tottenham this weekend, and Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. So what yeah. does that say about Chelsea? That's all I mean. Yeah. Just leave it at that. Leave it at that. Sam, what about you? Weekly Wanker? Uh, yeah, since we haven't done one in for so long, and because this moment's absolutely classic, I'm just got to stick with Emmy Martinez from the Villa game, just because I just want to rub it in that guy's face a little bit more. If you guys I haven't, if you guys haven't seen it, check out Cannon Side Chat's Instagram. Sam put together a really nice reel of of Martinelli scoring that open header, and uh, and a nice meme of Emmy Martinez afterwards with his Golden Glove celebration. Good quality I mean, fun, the, you know. Yeah, the Jorginho goal, then the, the giving up the empty netter and then getting riffed by your coach after the game is just the trifecta we needed uh, for Emmy Martinez. I wish that Jorginho would have celebrated by, like, picking up a water bottle and acting like it <laughs> doing, doing the Emmy celebration. <laughs> No way. That's too big of a moment to be ruined by that. I'm, I'm all for a game-winning goal, just passion celebration in the corner like there was. I agree. I mean, absolute scenes. I'm not opposed don't, either. You know, that's storybook stuff. I would be perfectly fine if Martinelli got down on his knees and humped the ball in. That would I, was thinking, I was thinking get to the goal line and roll it in with your head. Oh, just don't even roll it. Just like take that big touch a little bit, and before it gets in, just diving header that shit in, just pound it. <laughs> I have a question. Would you guys like if your goalie, like if he was your goalie doing the antics, or would you still hate it? That's a good question. Are you talking about like if I'm playing or or if if I'm if I'm watching? Like if if Ramsdale was doing the antics of Amy Martinez. I well, Ramsdale like would... does do some antics, and I'm I love it. He's not as big of a moron as Emmy is but it worked for Emmy so you can't really be too much at fault he's like his penalty shootout saves and stuff his his record been, in penalty shootouts is incredible I mean yeah he absolutely gets in that that taker's head undoubtedly so you can I, say 
you could say that you don't want that in your goalie all you want, but if your goalie does it and he has the results that like Emmy does, you have to take it. And he clearly knows how to forget. Oh yeah, I don't think that, so, I don't think that no, guy gives a shit about yeah, anything other than winning. Doesn't there's give no a damage. Shit. There's no ego damage if it comes off him worse for wear. So I yeah. he's one I think of the world's top. So who's gonna talk shit to him? You yeah, know, like, as a fan, and you almost have to just be okay with it. Yeah, I mean that's what I was saying. That's why I asked because if, if Michael was doing that, I would just absolutely love it. Just but because of who he is and everything that went down, yeah, I can't stand the guy. But if it's for your team, I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah, and I liked it when he was on our team. I mean, he wasn't quite as big of an ass hat, but it's like good. <laughs> yeah, it's like the it's it's the saying that it's the the. Uh, you hate to play against, but they you love them if they're on your team. Exactly. Yeah. Well, unless you're Unai Emery. That's all yeah. I gotta say for that too. <laughs> no, I think that I think I would be okay with it. You just gotta be okay with it when it doesn't come off too, which might sting a little harder uh, than normal. But yeah, I think it to, to me, I think all goalies are a little bit crazy because it takes someone crazy to want to play that position. Uh, so you just got to take him with a grain of salt. And like you said, Ramsdale is all about the antics too. I mean, think about what he did after that Tottenham game. Granted, I think that's all Richarlson and not not so much Ramsdale. But he loves to jaw with the crowd, loves to do that. He's just not, as you say, not not as arrogant and ignorant about it as, as Emmy is. But, yeah, I think you need that from a goalie. You just need it. A little bit of shithousery. Now, if Matt Turner starts doing that, then the then the world freezes over because he's way too nice. If he starts doing that, I would be going ballistic. I'd be like, "Oh hell yeah, he's way too yeah, nice no of a person no. for that." He's no, probably like, yeah, "Oh, good see. shot, man. Hey, good shot." <laughs> Great guy to have around. Yeah, you got to have those guys too, even and out. I wonder if Ramsdale in training ever just talks shit to Matt Turner. I'm you sure know, all of the goalies talk shit to each other. I don't know, man. You listen to the training videos. Matt Turner is always just like, oh, nice save. Oh, good job. Oh, yes, good hold. Ramsdale, so probably shut the fuck up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I'm going to beat your ass if you compliment me one more time. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, big game coming up on Wednesday. Hopefully we get that redemption against Everton. We're at home. Should be a good one. I'm thinking we will be back to record on Wednesday night. If we're all available. Um, so hopefully it'll be a double pod week for everyone. I'll try to get this out tomorrow before before the, the Everton game. So sound good? Can I ask one question real quick before we say bye? Do you guys think there's any lineup changes? Ooh. That's a good question. I wouldn't be surprised if Trossard stays in. So I guess no. No lineup changes from the previous one. I just think if if Everton are going to try to do, I'm assuming they're going to play even more of a low block than they did at home in his first match. Uh, and I just think that having Trissard up there from the get um, might help you unlock that a little more than Eddie does. And then if the game gets a bit more open towards towards the end, you get Eddie's fresh legs, his his ability to run in behind. Um, maybe running at those tired legs might be all right, but. I just don't think we're going to be able to compete with their center backs aerially or aerially or or physically. So why even try if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I think he definitely got to stay. Um, 
with Trossard up top um, just after the game that he had. And then I don't really know at this point what other changes you would make. Um, if Party's healthy, I think he'll come back. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, Something that I wouldn't mind seeing because he has also played a lot of minutes is Shaka not starting this game and Vieira playing because if if they are going to play the same style which they probably will and we are at home are we at, we're at home right i confirmed yep. that earlier yep. Yep. yeah yeah and we're at home so you would expect us to have a lot of control if we're going to have that much control they're going to double down the wings you need the inside guys to really be available um, and I think Vieira's mobility and ability to maybe do something from outside the box would be nice to have. So I don't know. I think that's an option. I'm not sure he'll do it. Jaka plays most important games, most games in general. But yeah, I agree with your guys' assessment on Eddie too. Eddie and Trissard. Yeah, party back obviously is a, is a big one. But other than that, that's only if he's fit. I would love to see Emil Smith Rowe get a run. I'm I'm not get even sure minutes, he still yeah. exists anymore. Yeah. I'm itching for that. I don't think that's off the start though. That might be go up two, three, nothing. No. No, yeah. that would be a sub. Yeah. Beckett, would you do that with uh the Vieira with Jorginho or would you do it with Party as well? Um uh, that's a that is a good question too. I I think it's more of an option if party's available. Yeah, I probably don't think I really don't think Arteta would do it if if just with Jorginho. You're you are losing something defensively, but you're also hoping you don't have to defend most of the time. I think party's athleticism allows him to cover more ground defensively. So that helps by having Vieira. Um and it's also if you start Martinelli which if we stick with Trossard, like you guys said, if you start Martinelli, I think he helps you a lot more defensively too to warrant being able to play Vieira. So right. I don't know. I, I think it's an option, and that way you get yeah, 60, just... 60 minutes of it. And then it, then if Vieira's tired and you need to still be – or you're still chasing a goal, that's a Emil Smith-Rowe time. Eddie could be a second striker time. I just think there's a lot of options if uh, – Fiera starts, or you could start Fiera. Right. It's just Granite Jaka is just so nailed on, it seems like. Uh, but I would love to see that combination. I think I think Jaka, and I'm extending this a little, sorry, but I think Jaka last game, there were a couple times where he was a little mm-hmm. indecisive. And I think that with the team having a little bit of a dip in form before the last two wins, but the team had shown some a little bit of regression. And I think Shaka is someone who's definitely had that regression. He hasn't been as attack involved in the attack in a lot of our games recently. And I think pair that with some of his indecision, a little bit less mobility when a team's going to be packing it in. I think that that is why you have the opportunity to play Vieira because you are lacking something from Shaka. He's played really well most of the season. 
but he might need a rust too, and this is a good opportunity to do it. Definitely, especially before Europa League kicks back up in the coming weeks, uh, and we're playing two games a week every week, uh, unless we don't don't advance, which I don't foresee happening, at least in the first round. All right, well, anything else that you guys need to talk about, want to talk about? Nothing? Nope. All right. Well, I already shouted it out, but again, if you guys don't follow, follow Cannon Side Chats on Instagram for Sam's just gotten into reels, so some expect some big things coming there. And without further ado, we will see you after the Everton game. Sound good? Yep. Peace. See ya!